going to say how nice it is to be here. It's great to see everybody here today. It's good to be here with you, and I'm, I'm thankful uh, to be able to worship with the brethren here. Loving, loving, uh, loving being with this congregation, uh, just uh, so many friendly people, and uh, so many people have just reached out to us and, and have offered um, up their homes and, and uh, afternoons for us, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, and I appreciate that, um, and, and I hope that we just uh, continue to grow together, and uh, hopefully uh, we, we, can, we can do just that. Uh, now, uh, I'm going to say this because I planned on preaching about biblical preaching, the second part of that sermon, this morning. I'm going to do that tonight. Instead, I was going to take tonight's sermon to do it this morning uh, as a request from uh, one of the brethren here. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, this morning. So it's not that we've traveled through time. It's still the morning. So um, but when we think about, think about uh, people coming to visit a congregation, I, I, I've seen a lot of times people, they'll... Uh, uh, I say a lot of times, uh, it's been fewer, fewer than that, but there have been some times where congregations, they said, you know, we don't want the preacher to preach on this subject because we don't know who's going to show up. You know, we can't invite our friends and our family uh, because he might preach on something and drive them off because they're lost. They're lost and, you know, we, 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 we can't really afford that. And so we don't want the preacher to preach on these certain topics. Now, maybe it is that they, they don't even know what those topics are until they're preached, and then they say, no more of that. I've known of congregations to do that. But, you know, I think when people do that, when, when we think about catering to that one or two people that come through the door, we're, we're losing something. We're losing something, and that's providence. It may be that they really need that sermon. It may be that the preacher, the preacher has no idea that they're going to be there. And so he gets up and he starts preaching, and they, and then here it is that their friends or their family are squirming in their seats because of what the preacher might be saying, and it might offend them and whatnot. And but you know we're we're losing out on that idea of providence. Maybe they are there for a reason. Maybe it is that the Lord has has set up their situation just so that when they are able to come through these doors, they hear that sermon. And they are able to get something to take home with them. We need to remember that. But, you know, we were talking about the other day, we talked about the lost and we're talking about how uh, they're dead. But they don't know that they're dead, right? They don't understand that. And so I, I want everybody to pay attention, pay special attention this morning uh, to the sermon, despite my, my children over here. Um, but uh, you're being loud, Timothy. Quit it. Um, but, you know, I want everybody to pay special attention because this is a very important subject. There was a survey given to 10,000 people, and this question was asked. This, is, this is, was at various denominations, give you. This question was asked, what was responsible for your coming to Christ and this church? Okay, so I'm going to preface this. I understand that when we're looking at some information like this, 
people are going to say, well, Matt, that's talking about denominations. We know why people should come to Christ. We know why people should come to his church. Okay, so we understand that. Now, let's keep this in the context. What are they saying here with this? They are saying, why is it that you have attended this congregation and why have you stayed? That is the basic principle given here. Why are you at this congregation and why have you stayed? Now, when someone says, well, yeah, but, but see, that's still, still, we're talking about denominational people. Exactly. We need to know why. We need to want, know why because we are to reach out to the lost and they are lost. And so if we're going to do that, we need to at least have an idea of why they're, they're going. Now, and then we need to line that up with God's word and make sure that we're doing what's right with it. Okay? So I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm just going to start throwing out some percentages here, okay? The first thing is this. People said, they answered this survey, and this group of people said, I had a special need. I had a special need. Now, I came to the church because I had a special need. And what they're really talking about is benevolence, right? You know, how many times have, have you heard of someone calling a congregation, they want food, or they want their electricity bill paid, or they want their rent paid because they're falling upon hard times? Those things are not bad in and of themselves. We all have gone through hard times, surely. But they had a special need. Now, what does Scripture teach? Galatians 6.10, it says, Do good unto all men, especially they that are the household of faith. And so we understand benevolence is something we do. Now, I'm going to put a little side note here. Uh, sometimes, as uh, in the brotherhood, I've seen that congregations have not really helped out their own brethren as much as they've helped out people from the community. And I do not hold to that. We need to take care of our own brethren. If someone is falling upon hard times in the congregation, we need to do what we can to help. All of us. Does that mean that we neglect the community? Absolutely not. But we do good unto all men, and especially they that are of the household of faith. We give a preference to our brethren. So when we look at this benevolence, you know, we understand this idea in Galatians 6.10. What about Acts 20 and verse 35? It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's, that's something we understand, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you think about that, and, you know, we can put that right in there with benevolence. In Proverbs 28 and verse 27, it says, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. So you think about this, brethren. What, what does it say? You know, the scriptures teach us that we do need to help other people. Benevolence is a key to living a faithful Christian life. It is. You know, I, I understand this, though. We, we, we get kind of pessimistic, though. I've been there. You know, some people will. They will only come for the loaves and the fishes, right? You know, some people just come for the food, right? I have known of at least a handful of people that they literally, and maybe you've known some people like this, but the only time they would ever darken the doors of the church building is if there were food involved. I did know a guy I lived in a uh, 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 an area in, in Montgomery, Alabama, where there's a lot of there's a lot of churches, 
And one thing in the South is, well, they like to eat, right? And so what do, what do you do? Well, you're going to have a bunch of fellowship meals. So amongst all these congregations, this guy knew when everybody had their fellowship meal. And he would literally go and travel around to those congregations just for the meal. Brethren, it's not bad to visit congregations. That's all I'm saying. But it is bad, it is wrong, for us to just participate just for the food. Just for the loaves and the fishes. Jesus also said that the poor would always be with us. That being the case, we need to, we need to keep this in the context for ourselves. Now, people, people ask, you know, well, what happens when the money runs out? Well, then I guess it's gone. Because, brethren, we are supposed to be benevolent. Uh, Ephesians uh, tells us that we need, to, we need to work in order to give. That is why we work. It is to give. You know, you think about this. They, they had a special need. How, how much of a percentage do you think that would be? Man, I had a special need. Two percent. Two percent of 10,000 people said, I came and I stayed because I had a special need that was met. Two percent. So we need to do benevolence. But when we think about reaching the lost through benevolence, well, it doesn't seem like that's going to be very effective. Does that mean that we throw it away? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, uh, I believe that a congregation will do itself some good is if they do help somebody, but they back that up with studying the scriptures with that person. It does us no good to feed someone and, and send them on their way. But if we attempt to sit down and study the scriptures with them, that's when some good happens. So, I had a special need. 2%. Mm. I like this next one. I just walked in. I just walked in. You know, this, these are people that they moved to the area. Uh, we, when I was uh, preaching at our congregation, we actually had some people like this. That uh, they heard our radio program and said, let's go and visit. Let's just go and see what it's about. So they have a little bit of prior knowledge of the congregation. And so they just come and they, they visit. You know, there are many congregations that rely on this one thing. You know, they just want someone to walk in. Just walk in the building. Now, what, what, what percentage is this? What do you think? I just walked in. Well, four, we said 2%. This one's higher than that. It's 3%. 3% of people go to a congregation and they stay just because they walk in. 3%. Oh, this next one. Oh, this has got to be the best one, though, right? I like the preacher, right? Yeah, I like the preacher. That one's, we'll give that one at least 40%, 50 at least. Might be higher than that. I like the preacher. Oh, man. 
preacher is at 6%. 6%. So it gets a little higher there. 6%. Okay, I, I came to this congregation because I like the preacher. You know, I, I actually was kind of shocked about this one because I've known of congregations that they have some great preachers and uh, they, they, they grow in a sense. But you find out here that, that the preacher does not play a big part in that. Only 6%. Now, why is that? Now, I want to name off some things that I know to be the case. There may be some others. Now, what if the preacher says something? That a person finds offensive. Oh, well, that's it. I'm gone. I don't have to put up with that. I'm going to go somewhere else. I've known of people, and surely you have too, that when they did not like what was preached from the pulpit, they went around to other congregations asking them about that particular thing until they heard what they wanted to hear, and then that's where they ended up staying. It wasn't about God's Word. It was about what they wanted. You think about uh, what if the preacher leaves? What if the preacher leaves? Preacher's gone. Do they leave with him? Well, brethren, I'll, I'll just say it. When, when people leave with the preacher for a matter other than righteousness, it shows that those people are not as spiritually mature as maybe they even think that they are. When the preacher leaves and people leave, <laughs> that's not a good thing. And so if 6%, let's just say 6% come in because the preacher, once that preacher's gone, they're gone too. Which to me calls, calls into question, why are you here? Is the preacher really that important? No, the Word of God is the most important thing. It's not about the preacher. It's about God's Word. You know, I, I, I think about this, and you know, I, there's nothing wrong with liking a preacher. I don't have any problem with you liking a preacher. Now, um, I've got a lot of preachers that I do like. Uh, I like them for various reasons. I, I told you before, you know, I like Robert Taylor Jr. I think he is just one of the smartest men. I love him. I, I think about some of my teachers at the Memphis School of Preaching. Just heard, you know, Brother Mosier, Keith Mosier, and, and man, I love hearing him preach. I love hearing B.J. Clark preach. And, you know, there are other people that I could just name off and just tell you about. You know, I, I love, a, you know, one of the old preachers, you know, back in the day, Guy in Woods. I have several of his sermons. Oh, man, I love Guy in Woods. Uh, he is, you know, by far my favorite as far as preachers are concerned. But the question is, why? Why do you like that preacher? Now, I'll tell you this. We need to temper our like and our love for preachers by what they're teaching. Not how they're teaching, but by what they teach. If they teach the truth, then more power to you. If they don't teach the truth, then you need to reevaluate some things. If we like him just because he's a dynamic speaker, well, we know Paul wasn't a dynamic speaker, and I hope you love Paul. Brethren, 
The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's okay to like preachers, but it is not okay to put them on a pedestal. We know that from 1 Corinthians 1. You think about 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 13, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfected together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been signified unto me concerning you, my brethren, by them that are of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I mean, that each one of you saith, I am of Paul... And I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? Brethren, liking a preacher is fine. But you need to temper that. Love God first. I think about other people who like the preacher. I'm sure Timothy and Titus like Paul. I know many love Peter. There's nothing wrong with this. But we need to make sure that we don't make it something that is wrong. All right, so 6%. Man, 6%. I like the preacher. What about I visited there? Now, these are people... These are the people that just decided to darken the doors one day. They have no prior acquaintances. They have no motives. They just come to visit, just just to visit. Maybe they visit a lot of different congregations. I don't know, but they just visit. These really are just rare. You know, no statistic on this. This is one percent. One percent of people. Come, and they just visit, and that's when they stay. Obviously, that's that's not going to be it. Now, this next one, more promising here. Think about this. I like the Bible classes. That's got to be up there too, right? Liking the Bible classes. I like the Bible class. So, okay, you know, we 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 think about uh, Bible class. All right, that this is admirable. Bible class is important, right? John 17, 17, you know, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. So getting into the word of God. 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling right the word of truth. It, it's the word of God. We've got to get into it. Uh, Titus 1, 10, 11, you know, for there are many unruly men, vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Men who overthrow whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. So we need to keep that tempered, you know. We, we need to make sure that we're teaching what's right for the right reason. Not, not for our own pleasure, not for anything else. And so when we're doing that, and people come, and they like the Bible class. How, how many, what kind of percentage are we looking at here? Five percent. Five percent. Five percent of people come because they like the Bible classes. Now, to me, that makes sense. If you have people coming out of the world, they're probably not going to put as much value on the Word of God as, as you would want them to. That makes sense to me. But you know what? So many congregations solely push their Bible classes. 
but it is to a detriment. When it comes to saving souls, it's good to teach. It's good to have those good Bible classes. But Bible classes don't save souls as well as we would like to think. Now this one, big, a big deal when you think about this. I attended a gospel meeting. Now, now these are meant for evangelism, right? You know, you, you, you have a gospel meeting. You go out, you knock doors, and, and, you, and you're inviting people in from the community. You're advertising in the newspaper. You're doing all these different things. And you can have a lot of people come in sometimes if you do things right. So how many people come and they stay because they attended a gospel meeting? 0.5%. Oh, man. Half of a percent? Not even a full percent of people come and stay because they attended a gospel meeting. Now, like we've mentioned with all these things, everything we've mentioned, you know, we, we need to keep doing them because they still have results. They're just not the greatest in effectivity. All right? So we need to remember to do these things. You know, I attended a gospel meeting, you know, you know half a percent. Now, I understand gospel meetings aren't what they used to be. You know, now, now today, these days, we'll have three-day gospel meetings. You, if you're lucky, you might have a four-day gospel meeting. Uh, but back in the day, uh, you know, when, when my parents were growing up, they said, you know, we'd have week-long gospel meetings. And when my grandparents were growing up, they'd say, we'd have two-week-long gospel meetings. Man, that'd be amazing to me. You know? I know some kids are going, oh, man, that would be... That's that's crazy, but no, two-week gospel means, oh, that'd be great. They're just not put in the same light that they used to be. Now, as a congregation, we could change that, right? We could change our mindset on it. And we could make it as effective as we possibly can. But what we're seeing from these statistics is that only half a percent of people will come and attend a gospel meeting and then stay. <clears throat> now, here, here's a big one. I like the programs. Now, you look at these big congregations, and, and what do you hear most about? You hear about the programs. Well, this is what we're doing. You know, we've got, we've got all these things going on for the youth. We've got VBS. We've got youth rallies. We've got devotionals. You know, for the children, we have this, you know, and... And for the adults, we have this. And for the senior citizens, we have this. Because, you know, senior citizens aren't adults. But, uh, you know, so, so you've got all these things. And they're going through. And, you know, sorry, I'm sorry. So you're going through and you're seeing all these different things that, they're going, that are going on. And you're thinking, man, this is an active congregation. This is something that, man, they are so fired up for the Lord. And you know, this is really, you know... In essence, this is kind of a worldly thought. Now, I remember someone coming up to me. I, I, I was a youth minister for the first four years of working with the church. And, and uh, I, I found out that I really didn't fit in very well. And uh, there were only a, a handful of guys that, that really felt the same way I did about things. And most everybody else were just really way out there on some of these things. And we were talking about uh, VBS one time, and this one guy spoke up, and he said, 
Oh man, you know, this is we're, we're going to have this VBS and we're going to have this inflatable playground and you know, just everybody's going to come and they're going to visit and they're going to we're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers and all and they're just going on and talking about how everybody's going to stay and and some you know, at this point in time, I did not have much of a filter. Uh, I'll go ahead and admit that and I just it just came out before I even thought about it. And I just said, that is the dumbest thing I think I have ever heard. How in the world are you going to get people to stay from a hot dog? How, how are you going to get all these people to invite? And I said, I'm going to guarantee you one thing. You may get people in there for that week. But I guarantee you the next week, nobody's going to come back. Yep. And you know what happened? Um, I am now a prophet. You know? <laughs> They, what, they, that's what happened. They, they, they had the inflatable slide and playground thing, and then everybody came, they had their fun, and then they left. Uh, I'll say that except for one occasion. The very next night, one of the children from the neighborhood came up and, and said, said, well, where are the hot dogs? And then they left. John 6 and verse 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father that sent me draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. Brethren, when it comes down to this, the statistics suggest that all the expenses given are futile because I like the programs. We'll bring in some people. But only while you got programs, and that is only 3%. Only 3%. I mean, we're not talking 75%. We're not talking anything like that. We're talking 3%. You know, so, you know, and, and then, you know, here's another, here's another one. What about this? A friend or a relative invited me. What do you think that is? You know, 5 6%. I mean, we're... We've looked at all these things. Statistic here. A friend or a relative invited me. 79%. Brethren, it's not the preacher. It's not the Bible classes. It's not any of those things that we've mentioned. It's you. You want this congregation to grow? Invite your friends and family. And when you do that, I can guarantee you that when they walk through these doors, if nobody else will, I know there's other people who would do this, but if nobody else will, you just bring them to me. And we'll talk about the Bible. And we'll talk about salvation. And you have to stand there with them. And you have to put in your two cents. Because the reason they even came was because of their relationship to you. Amen. You need to put everything you have into this. This is the single most important thing you can do to bring someone to Christ. 
you just got to invite them. You know, after seeing, you know, all these other statistics, you know, and you see this is obviously, this is where it is. You know, but how many times have we seen congregations that go, well, you know, that, that preacher, you know, that preacher, those elders, or those deacons, and they'll blame everybody else, but, you know, they're, well, they're pointing at somebody else. You got three other fingers pointing right back at you. Brethren, it is about the congregation doing the work. It's about working together. You know what happens when you invite your friends or family, you know. Yeah, you're not you're not talking about giving entertainment. You're you're not you're not giving someone else something just to please them. If if you're living right, they're going to already see that. And it's going to make things so much easier. And of course, we've already mentioned that that they need to be drawn to Christ. And they're drawn in by God. But how do they find out about Him? Somebody has to teach them. They have to see that good example in you. think about uh, this, you know, you, you can't wait around for this to happen. You have to make the first move. You can't go, well, you know, someday I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. That day needs to be today. Invite your friends and, a fan, and your family. You can't just, I've heard people say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to be a good example. That might bring people. But I've found that being a little more proactive than that yeah, is far more beneficial. We need to be proactive. We don't need to wait for them to ask us anything. We need to take the opportunity. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know if the congregation here has one, but maybe it is. We have a friends and family day. And we invite everybody to come in, and, and that's an easy way to invite your friends and family. And then you have a fellowship meal, and you, and you spend time, and they can get everybody together, you know. The, you know what? Maybe that's what happens. But you don't even have to wait for that. You can do that at any point in time. When you find that opportunity. Now, I, I think about this, especially... When it comes to family, we are not single-handedly going to save the world. We have to work together. Now, what if, what if we all just focused on our own families at the very least and said, you know what, I'm a Christian, but you know, my brother is not a Christian or my sister is not a Christian. Or my parents aren't Christians. Or my children aren't Christians. You know, my, 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 my uncle or my aunt or my nieces or my nephews or whatever. Whoever it is. Maybe they're not Christians and you think, you know what? I've got enough of a mission field right there. I'm going to do what I can to bring them to the Lord. And you know what, brethren? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if they attend here. It's not about them being in this congregation. It's just about them being a part of the body of Christ. That's what we need to work on. 
We want as many people to go to heaven as we can. Now, if you think of people that just saved their friends and their family, you know, we're going to have some notable characters coming up. You think about Noah. Noah preached. He was a preacher of righteousness, and he preached while he was building that ark. And how many people did he save? He saved himself and seven others, which consisted of his own family and the extensions of his family. What about Lot? Genesis 19. Who did he say? He saved his family. What about Hannah? Hannah, in a sense, saved Samuel, right? She gave him over to the Lord. Think about Moses. Moses saved his people. You think about um, Cornelius. Cornelius specifically in Acts 10 has said that he brought his friends and family. He brought people close to him. And I, I look at that. That's like the first gospel meeting right there. Let's invite all the friends and family. Let's, let's do this thing. What about the Philippian jailer in Acts 16? He and his household became Christians. You know, we could keep going on this, but there is work to be done. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest indeed is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he send forth laborers into his harvest. Guess what? That's us. We are those laborers. Jesus commanded us to do it, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We know that Jesus is the way, John 14 and verse 6, so it's, it's through Him. We know where it is that we have to go, the way that we have to go. And we know that they need to hear somebody. Romans 10, verses 11 through 15, it says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the, the same Lord is Lord of all. And is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And even as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. Evangelism is also needful for your spiritual growth. Uh, Philemon 6 says, That the fellowship of thy faith may become effectual in the knowledge of every good thing which is in you unto Christ. When we think about all these things, brethren, I, I hope you see this clearly. It's about each of us as individuals. It's about us bringing people to Christ who we already know and even know well. You know, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be willing to say I'm wrong if I ever find out that this is wrong. But as I look at the grand scheme of things, and I look at the scriptures, do you know what I see that stands out among everything? Whether it comes to evangelism, whether it comes to the church, 
or whether it comes to loving the Lord, it's all about relationships. If we will cultivate our relationships, the possibilities are endless. You know, I think about this congregation, I look out and I see a, a lot of wonderful people. And I see a lot of loving people. And if I can see that in a short period of time, I know you've got some good friends. And if you are already living a righteous life, you've got it made. Because they are ready to follow your example. But maybe it is that you have not been living right. And that you know that, that, that what is what's going to happen is if you go and you try to talk to people that you know well, uh, they, they might laugh at you. They might not take you seriously. Or they might even just think that you're a hypocrite. Well, don't let that be the case for you. And in just a moment, you're going to have a, a chance to repent of that. And, and maybe you just need some prayers for some reason. We'll be glad for you to, uh, to say some prayers on your behalf. Maybe it is that you have not yet become a Christian. And you'd like to take care of that today. And we'll be glad to help you out. And what that means is simply this. That you have to hear the word of God, which we've done this morning. And that you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And believe in the word of God. And John 3.16 explains that very well. So we hear and believe, and, and then we must repent, Luke 13, 3. And we must confess, and that's something that we do every day, Matthew 10, 32, and 33. And then, you know what, we, we need to be baptized in Christ, 1 Peter 3, 21. And once we are baptized in Christ, we are then uh, commanded to live faithfully, Revelation 2 and verse 10. If there's anybody that needs to respond to the invitation this morning, please come as we stand and as we sing. Great day coming, a great day coming, a great day coming, when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? bright day coming a bright day coming there's a bright day coming by and by but its brightness shall only come to them that love the Lord are you ready for that day to come are you ready are you ready are you ready for the judgment day sad day coming there's a sad day coming by and by when the sinner shall hear his doom depart I know ye not are you ready for that day to come